Welcome to Afterthoughts, where I pursue the realities in Christianity through God's Word and different conversations. It is my confident belief that our views shape the way we live, so having views grounded in reality is super important. At the end of it all, it is my heart's deepest desire that you and myself would be seeking peace and joy in what Christ Jesus has done. Well, welcome back to The Conversation, everybody. It's your brother, Martin Trumbull, back at it again with another episode. And with me in my podcast studio or bedroom is my mother. Hi, good evening. We uh, we just, we started recording this episode like an, probably an hour ago and half, like 15 minutes in, it stopped recording. Ah, seems to happen. Every time I, I do a quick ponder, last time with Adrian, same thing sort of thing. Sort of, sort of happens though. I don't know. And we didn't catch it. <laughs> we uh, just kept talking. <laughs> yeah, we talked for like, yeah. So I don't know. You're gonna, we're gonna try to do this again. Um, these episodes are. I've said it before, but these aren't planned. These are all spontaneous. So it was really hard for me to pick up back at that 15 mark. So we're gonna just start over and see what happens. But the question we're gonna talk about today is, um, I was talking to a buddy, and I th- we were talking about relationships. And um, talking about some of the past relationships he's been in, some of the past relationships I've been in, and um, he's dated a decent amount of girls. And uh, but there's always this, you know, he he's interested in a girl, but he's not fully in love. He says, and then maybe he dates a girl for a little while, but then what always seems to happen is over time he just it falls off. He's just not interested anymore. So he was like, "What is the definition of love?" Was his question, and. And he, and he, so he can find it. Does that make sense? So is he, and and so it sounds like you know the there's this relationship dynamic called the rescuer rescuee, and it sounded like, um, and moving away from him, but just in a broader sense, this is also him, but in a broader sense, there there's these relationships where there's um there's one person who's usually. More well. Why don't you jump in? What can you describe the rescuee rescuer dynamic? What does that mean? Yeah. So, um, when that happens, one of them is um, stronger, and mm-hmm. maybe they have more of a foundation, and they're content, more satisfied, more maybe self confident or whatever they have. Whatever it is, they have more to give. Than the other person does, and you mean emotionally, right? Well, in it, it could be in many different ways, but um, so there's a person who has a lot of unmet unmet needs, and there's a person who um desires to meet those needs, and in order for that to happen, the rescuer has to have more resources, yeah. more strength, more more something. Yeah. To give to the other person. Yeah. And so and, he's seeing uh, that pattern can be observed in his past relationships. And so, and I don't know if that has anything to do with the his question, because I, I, I say that because it gives kind of a context. Okay, this is where the question is coming from. So um, what is the definition then 
of love that he's looking for or that we think he's looking for. Yeah, I think that does um, play into that scenario and into his life too. I think it's um, if somebody can get to that point where they can ask themselves, what is love? Mm-hmm. Because so many of us just take it by our experience or what we've seen or learned or looking at our culture. So what is love? And I'm thinking, you know, God calls himself. He says that he is love. God is love, Mm -hmm. right? So if we go with his definition of love or definitions of love, what are those and what do they mean and how do they affect us? Yeah. So I feel like there's a highest calling or a highest level of love that um, God showed us through sending his son to um, to take care of our sin problem, you yeah. know, where we are destined towards um, a future of an eternity without God. And Jesus had to um, give up an immense, you know, value of number of things of great value in order to be the rescuer for us. Yeah. Um, and so what did that look like? I mean, he became one of us and he suffered um, unthinkable brutality for us because he loved us. And yeah. it wasn't anything about, he wasn't doing it for himself, right? So, yeah. It was beneficial to us. It was beneficent. I mean... He's our benefactor. It wasn't anything yeah. about him like giving to get or any of that. He do, did it because he truly valued us, cared about us, and still does, loves us enough to do that. Hmm. That's something we can't even really touch, humanly speaking. Yeah. But that's kind of the idealistic, big picture, highest value of love. And it's interesting because um, in the Bible in Ephesians, um, it tells husbands to love your wives. Yeah. The agapeo. Um, so I guess I could just read the definition that I have. Um, yeah, that would be good. I liked that. In Strong's Concordance. Um, so there's the one word for um, love is agapeo. Um, and that means to love in a social or moral sense. And so you love somebody who's your beloved. Um, and then also there's agape, which is love, i.e. affection or benevolence. So charity. Um, and there's also another um, word for love that um, I won't look up the definition, but it has to do with the person that's doing the loving to be intentional. They um, have a desire to do it. Yeah. So, um, like, Jesus desired to do that for us. And that, um, so this is something that God tells husbands to do for their wives. And, you know, I was curious one day, I was looking up, well, I wonder if the Lord or in the Bible, if it ever tells wives to love their husbands in this way. And I couldn't find any place that it did. Yeah. So there's one place in Scripture that it tells wives to love their husbands and love their children. Um, 
But that word for love your husbands is actually phileo love, which is friendship love. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, you know, your friend was probably talking about a dating relationship, but yeah. Yeah, the goal. Was. So my question would be, well, what is his goal? But if the goal is marriage, ideally in God's view, connecting a man and woman together, um, there's there's friendship love in a marriage, there's agape love in a marriage, there's um there's the um romantic love, eros, I guess would be the Greek word. And then as things progress the way God wants them to, there's going to be the storgy love the love between parents and children. And those are all supposed to enrich each other, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, of course, none of us are God. So we, we can only love as God empowers us to love mm-hmm. other people. But hmm. I think... Um, That's interesting. But I think one thing that people, maybe young people, might confuse is that they fall they have this feeling of being in love yeah i and some people i i think call it infatuation it's a word that i have heard to describe that sort of this feeling of being in love and um sometimes i think people are surprised when that starts to wear off um but i think it's designed by god that way to to gradually wear off and i think the the reason for this, yeah, why is that? You know, the infatuation love. I think that God designed it on purpose to blend a man and a woman together in a marriage, where you're, um, you know, you have a little bit of time to just um, everything feels wonderful. You, you're walking on air, or whatever the, you know, like the Bambi <laughs> movie, <laughs> the <laughs> Twitter painted, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that lasts for usually about two years, and. That's a good way to blend two different people together who have different habits, different values, different families. There's so much that's going on at, at first in marriage of blending together. And so I like the analogy of surgery, like um, getting anesthesia. It's kind of like that's infatuation is kind of like anesthesia before, you know, during your surgery. And then when you wake up and it wears off, you're in pain. Right, because some yeah. eventually you're gonna see the reality of, oh, this who they really are. This person is has these particular things that irritate me, and I'm sure I have things that irritate them. And we have to l- figure out how to learn how to live with one another without the anesthesia. Yeah. Although, to um, we were talking earlier about how in marriage it doesn't always stay away. Like you still have those moments of romantic love yeah that are there um yeah i met a uh there was a speaker at camp and i got to talking to him one day and he recently retired and we were just talking about and he was like man i've waited so long to be able to spend my whole day with my wife they people ask me you know haven't you been bored and i say no heck no i've been waiting you know 40 years for this um 40 50 years to do this and we just love it we spend and like, and then he described his dating life before they were dating, and they were a very traditional um, Christian couple. So he was like, "Well, there's you know, there's things we couldn't, but but he spent so much time with her, and he just couldn't wait to be with her." And he was in the medical industry; he's a doctor, 
um, or a physician. Same thing. Uh, and so, yeah, he, he's, and I was just kind of, I, I was like, so he went on about how he did not regret one moment. And I'm like, well, that's a mat. Like people say that a lot, but to me, that's, that's a massive state. You don't regret one moment. Like there's not one moment that you have regret. And he's like, no, the whole thing was so meaningful and I still love her so much. And I was just impressed that he still seemed to have this emotional tie to her that was so strong when many couples, you know, they're, they're sweet old couples, but they don't seem to have that passion that he did. And, uh, kind of side note, he said he doesn't regret one moment because, you know, even the pain, even the, the struggles of learning to live together, like you're saying, he just knew, and it came with a feeling, this knowledge did, he, he felt and knew that it was meaningful. It was the way yeah. life was supposed to be lived. And so, I don't know, I thought that was It's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. Totally yeah. Totally worth it. Yeah. 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 And I mean, uh, uh, I, I feel like a good relationship um, depends on the character of both parties. Yeah. You see a lot of things these days about whether this personality will blend with that personality or whether yeah. somebody with this career pathway will blend with that career pathway or, um, you know, rich, will the rich blend with the poor or, <laughs> or, you know, the one who wants a lot of kids with the one who doesn't, or there's so many of these, I, I think those are all peripheral issues. Yeah. And I think the only way mm. to have a good relationship with people, whatever kind of relationship it is, is to have good character. And if one party has good character and the other party has bad character, it won't be a happy situation. Well, what do you mean by bad character? What do you mean by that? Well, I guess my mind goes to the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. If you're a believer, are you patient? Are you kind? Are you tender-hearted, forgiving one another, like it says in Ephesians? Are you do you, do you take a great deal of offense, offense, and notice it when somebody does something that hurts you or that is in your mind wrong? Yeah. Um. Do you is that greatly noticed by you, or do you just give them grace? And because it it says in First Corinthians thirteen, love hardly notices it when others do it wrong. Yeah. You know, are you... Or love keeps no track of wrong records. Records of wrong, records yeah, of wrong. you know. Um, so, 1 Corinthians 13, that defines um, what good character is. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, um, gentleness, self-control. Mm. You know, th that that's something that if you're a true believer, it will be present in you um maybe in varying degrees but yeah the if the spirit is within you some of that of each of those categories is there yeah. how much do you let show that yes, might yeah. be a different issue however so if you have a person who lies um you know when you kids are little kind of the three big character issues were the lies cheat and steal yeah. scenario. If kids lie, cheat, and steal, those are not going to be things that make for a good relationship in their future with anyone. And I think of a fourth one, and that's selfish demands. Mm. If somebody's constantly making selfish demands, that's the opposite of agape love. 
Yeah. Really, it's you expend yourself for me. That's the opposite of what that is. Well, so I don't think anyone... Help me understand that because, like, we don't... We're, we naturally don't see our flaws. Our hearts deceive us into thinking we're better. So we don't... Selfish commands... I don't do those. <laughs> what do you mean? Selfish demands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you okay when you really want something and you ask the other person to give it to you or tell them to give it to you and they say no? Are you okay with that? Yeah. Uh, can, or do you remain calm in that situation? Well, it depends on what it is. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that might give you an indicator of where you're at um, because if if you can give them the freedom to say yes or no to your desires, then you're not making unrealistic and unreasonable demands of them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to say okay and let God get on their conscience if there's true needs of yours and they're the only one who can meet them. Um, you know, <laughs> you do need to have your needs met. Yeah. Right. Um, um, I was thinking, speaking of needs met, we, when we were talking earlier, you described why do we have the rescue rescuer dynamic? I think that would be good to talk about it again because it, I was just realizing that it innately, the very concept of family, which is where we went, is what you're looking for, to like looking to do when you're dating. Um, and so it really, it's good for it. So why do we have that dynamic and how does that work? Like, why are we... Like, oh, there was this one friend who described a relationship with a girl where she, he felt like she was really dependent on him and it was just suffocating and, and kind right. of toxic in that way. I mean, she was a fun girl, but like a uh, sweet girl, but just the dependency made him feel smothered. Right. So why does that happen? Like we're. Yeah. I feel like today in our, um, in our American context today, I feel like there's a lot of, unmet needs. There are so many, 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 many people, young people especially, that didn't get their needs met at home by their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there are a lot of single parents out there today and they have to work maybe just to provide for their kids mm-hmm. and they're just not taking time to connect with them, which is understandable to some level. Um, you just get so tired. Yeah. And um, so I feel like that children who didn't have a healthy relationship with their parents growing up, who didn't get their needs met, are looking to get them met. Still, you it's a foundational thing. You have to have those needs met yeah. in your life. Somebody's got to do it. So parents or grandparents or finding an adult who invests in you who loves you, who can help meet some of those needs, or the Lord himself. Um, just I think it's good to be aware of your needs, that you are a needy person, and realize that in a marriage those that neediness is still going to be there. Your spouse is n- not going to be able to be your parent. 
So yeah. Um. So, um. The healthier you can be when you enter into a relationship with the opposite sex, the better scenario for the future. And there are going to be a lot of ups and downs, and it's okay to not be infatuated all the time and not feel connected all the time. And that that's okay. It's normal. It's not, I, like nothing is wrong. You don't have to panic. It It'll come back, you know. Yeah. So, um, Cause that's, I think that's what we're looking for when we're asking, you know, the relationship just, I, I become disinterested. I think that's what we're saying is the infatuation, that love, that passion, that, that can, that can, uh, what's the word? Like the compelling drive that this is right just goes away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe I worded that funny, but yeah, the feelings just, I'm not sure they're, you know, for me anymore, go away. And I think that's, and, and that not, that's not just the knowledge, but the feel, the emotional excitement and just thrill and intimacy. Intimacy yeah. goes away. Right. That's a good word. Um, because there are different types of intimacy. Um, and they all need to be there if you're going to have a good, relationship between man and woman mm-hmm. and um but i i feel like the question needs to be asked what is your goal so yeah. if you're um feeling frustrated or nervous or disillusioned um when the connectedness isn't there why are you in the relationship in the first place what are you trying to achieve mm-hmm. through the relationship and if you are interested in marriage, then there's there's gender differences that need to be looked at because a husband in Ephesians is told to agape love his wife. Yeah. Right? And a wife, I think it's in the book of Titus where she's, um, the older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands and love their children and um, be keepers at home. And the word there is phileo love. So a woman needs to make sure that she can be a friendship lover of her husband. Um, I don't think there's any place in scripture where women are specifically told, why is agape your husband's? I I haven't found it. If it's there, maybe it is. But I I looked to see if it was. Um, But you have to have a recipient and you have to have a giver. And Mm. I was going to say, what's the relevance of the agape versus the um, other one. Right. So if we're believers, we're all told collectively, um, to agape, right? Like Mm -hmm. we want to give that kind of Christ centered love to other believers in general, but I was, you know, specifically to wives, I guess I couldn't find it, Hmm. but I could be wrong. I, I just did a study and looked, but um, in a way, it kind of makes sense because, um, so if you're a, a man and you're not interested in self-sacrifice and in doing things that don't always you don't always feel like doing at the moment for the sake of your wife, then you're probably not ready to get married. Yeah. If you if you want to have a 
good marriage or a great mm-hmm. marriage. That has to be there. That's what God designed and set up. So if it isn't there, and you can't do that without the power of Christ who did that for you, you have to take from his strength and give give it down, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so I feel like, well, what's your goal? If it It almost sounds like if you're expecting to get your needs met through these dating relationships, you're maybe um, missing the main point that, you know, so the family love is a foundation on which you build other types of love. And if you don't have that foundational family love, then you're, you're going to have cracks in your foundation and it's not going to work as well. And you can't expect your spouse to be your parent, and they can't expect you to be theirs. So each party has to be willing to meet their own, most of their own basic needs and um, not expect their spouse to fill in the gaps that are there in their lives through yeah. the omission of parents or whatever. Um, so God needs to fill in those cracks in another way. Yeah, you gave the analogy of the cake. Yeah. Like so you have to bake your own cake, right? And your spouse can frost it. They can put frosting mm-hmm. on the cake, but you have to actually have the foundation there for them to do that. Yeah. Or else it's not going to work. And that's well. tough if you don't if you had a if you didn't have a good relationship with your parents, which most most everybody doesn't yeah. have a really good relationship with their parents. Yeah. So it might be worth asking, well, what does that even look like? You know, and so I guess in a family, um, what should ideally happen is a child should learn good character traits. Mm -hmm. They should learn responsibility. They should learn patience. They should learn long-suffering. You know, they should learn a a good work ethic. They should learn to take time for recreation and enjoyment and relaxation. They should learn to be other oriented to some level and i feel like that kind of has been lost in our recent generations you can't do it if you're not like if your kids are needy all the time they have nothing to give they have no others right in church we get told all the time to be others focused outward focused right and a lot of people in church are in church because they're needy right and well, that's a different discussion. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally, what's the purpose of coming together as believers? But, um, right. So, um, it. I. I think that when there's a strong relationship between the man and the woman, and they energize each other, mm-hmm. so then you can have enough energy to collectively meet the needs of your children. Because at first, the children, all they have are needs. Yeah. Like when kids are little that's all you do mm-hmm. is you give and give and give and give you meet their needs and that doesn't mean that they can demand that you be their servant <laughs> i mean and what's best for the child is that the mom have a break once in a while or yeah you know structure is good i'm not saying but that, that's needed um, they need that it's still the right, same giving scenario. them what they need yeah. um so you can go overboard by giving um, them what they want yeah always by like always responding to their selfish demands and that's going to ruin their marriage in the future. Yeah. Right. Selfish demands ruin marriages and ruin relationships, but meet their true needs. Um, so how do I, 
sorry. How do I, I didn't get, like, as a parent, my, or no, as a kid, my parents didn't meet my true needs. They didn't spend a lot of time with me. Uh, we talked earlier, the, the average family gets three hours, three to five hours with each other a week. And even then it's not like quality time. That's like on the road or like grabbing McDonald's or going to, you know, picking up food or whatever, or driving between games or what. Like, so the family just doesn't have time together. And so Mm -hmm. how do you, if you come from that environment and you find yourself in relationships where you're needy and you're the dependent one, what do you do? Right. Because it's like, well, my life, you know, my whole life probably if they're a young person, I've been in this predicament where I'm catching up. Yeah. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. I think that's a great question because that's where most people are at. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I think the first thing that pops into my mind is pray. Um, ask the Lord, acknowledge to him that you're needy and allow yourself to ask, how do you, how do you feel about that? Allow yourself Mm -hmm. to ask, how, how does this make me feel? that I had needs that should have been met by people who didn't meet them. Um, I think it's okay to grieve that. I think it's okay to be angry for, you know, a short period of time because you're, you're grieving and you're angry over something that's highly valuable. You know that life should have been different. There should have been a higher standard. And that's like you're acknowledging that there is a God out there, that that he is perfect, that something better should have happened, that that's yeah. what he wanted. He's a God of love and he wants to bless us, yeah. but it didn't happen for you. So the first thing I guess is acknowledging and being okay with um, how you feel about that eventually, you know, whether you do it immediately or, or whatever you, it's important I think to get in touch with how you feel about that and to tell him about that, you know, um, yeah. He wants us to communicate with him and he wants us to share our deepest heart with him. And then just ask him, will you help me figure out a way to fill in some of these gaps? Um, And so seeking out people who maybe will mentor you or be a a father figure to you or a mother figure to you, or um, maybe your grandparents are there for you and, and can invest in you, or maybe there's some other older couple who has time on their hands, who loves kids and teens and just, I guess, asking the Lord to help you find somebody who's a good fit for you. Yeah. And I mean, I know that works, yeah. right? And um, so I, I, I would start there and, but I mean, it, it is, we do need human compassion and nurturing and fulfillment and then also be grateful to the Lord for whatever you did get. Because there's always people yeah. who are worse off than you are, right? Yeah. But I think that would be a good place to start and then look for it and maybe initiate it. Um, pray about it. I mean, if the Spirit leads you to initiate something, then do it. Yeah. You know. You said earlier that, you know, there's this... um you had this you have this realization and you tell yourself that you know this isn't fair and it's not fair that you know as a you know adult a young adult late teen whatever wherever you may be um that i'm in this predicament where i didn't get what i needed from my parents i didn't have the nourishing home that i needed mm-hmm. it was an imperative that i got that that i get it but i did not get it and here i am and i'm emotionally a mess and i don't even know how to verbalize it still but i don't 
I don't get it. It's not fair. Um, and you were telling me there's this thing where it's not fair. It's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. Like the you, your anxiety is your anxiety. It's not got, it's not somebody else's anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, like you're the one experiencing it. And so it's your responsibility to do something about it. And this is not, I'm not wagging my finger at people with anxiety necessarily. I'm just saying the point is these are our problems. It's not fair. Like you're saying, grieve about them, but they're ours. Mm-hmm. No, like nobody's experiencing exactly what we are. And I don't, and I mean that in a constructive sense in that it's your responsibility to look for a path. And that would be like you're saying, find other people. Um, and church is a great place, can be a great, a great place to find that um, other uh, older couples or other people that can love you mm-hmm. and letting them love you, I think. that's And a, some of them would just be delighted to invest in your life. Yeah, for real. If you would <laughs> just put your phone down for a few minutes. Yeah. And do it. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. I heard a stat actually that Gen Z, <coughs> I heard a stat that this generation hates phones. Mm. Is, is away from, and I'm noticing that too actually at different like, young adult events that I go to, everyone puts their phone away. You don't see phones. There's a few people. Um, but yeah, I think people are really starting to, anyway, that's a side note. It doesn't really. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an awareness maybe of the connectedness yeah. that needs to be there that mm-hmm. you can only get with another human. Yeah. You know, so that, that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. So I, I tell myself sometimes it's not fair, but it's still mine to deal with. Yeah. And of course, Jesus wants to help you deal with it. And I think I told you before, too, that um, if you have an eternal view in mind, it helps an awful lot. Because Mm -hmm. if this life is all there is, then the unfairness thing seems to hit pretty hard. But in the future, if you're a believer and you're going to be in heaven, you are going to be rewarded because in heaven there is rewardedness for all of us believers. And those people who suffered the most in this life are going to be the most rewarded and enriched in the next life. Mm-hmm. So God is fair. I remember yeah. talking to you. I had the question myself, is God fair? And, and, you know, am I expecting too much to expect fairness? And then I opened my Bible to the Psalms and there King David was saying that God is fair. So, but God is, has a long time span. Yeah. You know, he's not bound by, time or space like we are yeah he can see it all is there a passage so. in Pete, first peter or something where he's saying a day is like a thousand years a thousand years is like a day and we're in an age where what god is doing presently is he's given us grace and mercy and he's waiting for people to come to him yeah. and to receive that grace and mercy and in our sense that nourishment and that uh that we need so that's fun fact that's what he's doing but like i i I think of that verse where he words that a day is like a thousand years a thousand years is like a day and yes he's just but but it's within his um i don't know how to describe it because he's god but yeah (laughs) yeah i i think chuck missler had a great analogy where um he used the analogy of how how god sees time as um imagine if you were in a helicopter and you were hovering above a parade and um you can see the the bands lining up and all the floats getting ready. And you can see the first ones start coming down the street. And the person who's on the street corner three blocks away, all they can see is that first item progressing. Mm-hmm. But if you're hovering up there, you can see the whole thing 
you can see it from start to finish. Yeah. You can see the end and the beginning. Yeah. You know, and that's, I guess that helped me in a practical sense, you know, because the Bible says that God knows the end from the beginning. And that he is the end and the beginning too. Yeah. yeah, the Alpha and the Omega. So he's He's way bigger than we are. And and I yeah. and there's another verse that keeps popping into my mind, knocking on the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> and that's the verse that says, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we don't lose heart. Yeah. So it's hard to be patient and hang in there for the longevity of it, for the long haul. But God promises to us that in the end, we will get our reward and it'll be worth it. And so I just thought I'd, um, something else is in my mind too. And this is something um, that we started out the discussion with. What is the definition of love? Yeah. And I and I talked a little bit about it, but um, there are different facets of love that we've covered too. But I wanted to read a definition that a 20-year-old young woman gave to me. And the reason why I'm thinking this may help is because this person was um, struggling and, and um, really grappling with life and um, needed to find some answers, some true answers, and felt really deeply needing to be loved. Mm-hmm. And she too asked herself, well, what is love? So um, I was going to read her definition because um, maybe as a guy, um, you might wonder, well, what are women looking for in a relationship? Or <laughs> yeah, here, <laughs> I mean, like, what does love mean to them? And can I even do that? Yeah. So this person said, um, love is deliberate self-sacrifice solely for the other's true benefit, especially when they don't deserve it. Hmm. And then she said, it's not self-sabotage. It's giving up something for something more valued. Hmm. So you're not giving to get. In other words, you're actually giving deliberately uh, at your own expense for the benefit and nurturing of another and and it's giving to a true need and it's solely for their purpose yeah you know it's not about you it's about them and that's mm. and it, it's interesting because this is what god tells husbands to do for their wives um you know you're expending yourself and your own resources because you highly value the other person that you're donating to right yeah and that helps them feel valued as well. And then, of course, they'll reciprocate in a typical scenario. You can't but help um, yeah. responding to something. And like I that. think that's how God's work, because it says we love him because he first loved us. So it's right. the receiving reception of his right. love. That we and it's him. really encouraging to see someone be willing to receive that kind of love. Yeah. I think of that kind of love, you know, like a mother with a young baby a newborn baby where you get up two or three times a night sometimes for several months to feed and change diapers and you're just a walking zombie you you don't but you don't consider yourself above the preciousness of that child you know you don't want to get up but once you see that baby they're so precious you know it's just that's just what you do Mm -hmm. um and um there's not a lot of reciprocation 
for a long time, but eventually the child does start to respond and um, you see the benefits of your investment. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it is, it is hard these days because there are so many people who are in deep need. And I mean, I think it's a great question. What is love and can I find it? And I, you know, I do think it's rare. Yeah. And that's why it's so valuable. But love is like the most empowering thing. That's right. Yeah. It's it's um, you know it it gives us it touches us at a deeper and more intense, more fulfilling level than almost anything else. Yeah. Foundationally. Well, and I'm thinking. I'm trying to. So you said it's that definition that you got from that. Uh, person uh where she said it's not it's it's truly giving for the other person not for yourself right and so and then you ask well what are you looking for you've asked that what is the goal mm-hmm. and some people like i don't know well I, I all i know is i just really want to be close to somebody and intimate and yeah eventually i want some sort of commitment but i'm not really necessarily thinking about a marriage i just want to be close to someone and also that's kind of the thing to do and I wonder, is that love? Because especially if you know that you have like, if you you think about your past, you look, up, look at what you, you know, the way you grew up, your relationship with your parents and the position you are in, are you in a relationship with somebody because you're wanting to nourish them? Or are you in the relationship because nourishing them nourishes you? Right. <laughs> In a self, you know what I'm saying? It's yes. it's like, and so very subtle. Yeah, are and you, very hard to discern. Right. Yeah, because in a sense, it's like nourishing other people nourishes you. Like seeing, I don't know, as a parent, seeing your kids grow up and take off. It's like, oh, that's so beautiful, probably to see. Right. So there's that, but but there's also the giving to get. And can you do that in a relationship? Yeah. Do probably most people probably do do that more than they think they do. Right. I think of the verse, you know, our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And so it, it lies to us and it tells us we're better than we are. And so that's probably why it's hard to discern too, because we want mm-hmm. to tell ourselves we're better than we actually are and we're not. And I think when we're going into relationships and having these really short, intense, emotional relationships that end badly, it's like, why are you doing it? And and maybe it's because, and I empathize with this. Maybe it's because of your lack of nourishment growing up. It probably is because of your lack of nourishment growing up. Mm-hmm. And you're getting your needs met through another person. Mm-hmm. And you don't maybe know you're doing that. Except now you do. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's like self-medicating. Yeah. And it's, know, a, it's, a, it's a form of selfishness. It's the form of getting high off of your own neurotransmitters. And, <laughs> you know, it, it can be uh, what, um, you know, a Band-Aid or whatever. But I yeah. think... I think people are looking for bonding and I, I think people need, you know, bonding with, with their parents or if you can't find somebody else, ask the Lord to be that father for you, to be that mother for you, yeah. to, to feel bonded to him. And then I've, you know, he says, um, you know, that he'll give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. So, um, and then there's the, First in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and um lean not on your own understanding. Yeah. And in all your ways acknowledge him. So I mean that's 
I guess to me, he's he's there for us. Yeah. He, he wants us to put him first. And if we do, then he can also add, he can add secondary things to our life when we've got the primary thing taken care of. Yeah. Right? And a, a relationship with between a guy and a girl is more of a secondary thing. And if the foundations are there, then the relationship has more of a chance to thrive. Yeah. And to be good, a good relationship. But, um, yeah. So, hmm. so, um, are we seeking our, what, what are our priorities? Where are our priorities? Do we have them mixed up? Yeah. Or not? Um, so what if, so if we do, we should probably stop dating. Right. Or what do you think? Well, well, I, but I th- that's easy to say because, but then nobody's going to do it. <laughs> right. Well, and that's why I said, what's the purpose? What is yeah. your purpose? What is your focus? So, you know, it depends on, on who you are, what your priorities are and what your beliefs are. But, you know, the intention of God is that eventually a man and a woman connect in marriage. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> are, are you hurting yourself or hurting another person with the connect and disconnect? Cause it does really hurt. Yeah. Cause what we were talking about God's design is it's supposed to happen once and for a lifetime and we're doing it almost a hundred times. Right. Like your, your body chemically is going through the bonding and breaking bonding, breaking. And, uh, especially if you're having sex, you're going through that process, bonding with multiple people, ripping yourself away from them and it's killing your body. And so when you say, are you hurting the other person? Is it like, what, what that means? Are you dating them and you know, you're not going to be with them forever. Right. Or, and you're giving them lots of your energy. Yeah. Yeah. And you're taking a lot of their energy. So is that okay? You know, doesn't sound like <laughs> it's very, very stressful on our bodies. You know, our vo- our bodies can't, our physical bodies can't always tell the difference between good stress and bad stress. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, infatuation it is good stress, but our stress responses are our bodies are still being stressed, even though it's good. Yeah. Right. So, how much stress do you want to put yourself through? Um, and wouldn't it be great to use your single years to build up your energy and your resources and your reserves yeah. so you have something to give eventually to somebody because eventually you're going to want to feel connected and you're going to want to feel a belonging with somebody in a relationship that's not just going to go away in a few months. Yeah, Most people are going to want to feel that. But we don't, I don't want to, I know it's not right, but I don't want to, that's patience. That's, like talk about character. That's character, and it's good character, but it's character I don't have. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, I don't want to do that. Like I don't. That sounds like a lot of hard work and years of it. And I'm more impulsive, and I think, especially with our culture and you know different addictions that fuel this, I think lots of people instant gratification is a thing. So mm-hmm. we just don't have the. And where are so, you? And and where are you looking at for your examples? Like what you, do you know. Mean? For for the where do people find their examples of what a guy girl relationship 
should look like or does look like or whatever. Well, unless they listen Where to are the, you finding those examples? Yeah. Unless you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and are you uh, probably and, other people. <laughs> yeah, are you finding good examples? Do those examples actually last? Or yeah. you know, or is it fake? Yeah. Is it fake or is it real? And I think it's movies. <laughs> we watch a lot of Netflix and movies yeah. and we get Yeah, and I mean Maybe this sounds a little crude, but they never show somebody using the toilet during those movies, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a natural that's part true. of life. Yeah, that's that's going to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, so you only see a very few shots of their somebody at their best in this moment, in that moment, in this moment, in that yeah. moment, and it's all connected together as if that were reality. Yeah. I mean, but it isn't, right? Yeah, yeah that's facts. And in, and social media is the same exact way. I've heard people say it right. that way. It's just people only post when they're happy. Mm-hmm. And so the image you get is you have like, I have 500 followers, whatever. I'm looking at their lives. All they post is the happy moment. So my brain, I know that like it's not true, but like just looking through people's lives is like, oh, everyone has a perfect life except me. Mm-hmm. And all 500 of those people are doing the exact same thing probably. Yeah. So, yeah. And if you're not having sad moments, you don't have a normal life. <laughs> That's true. You know, it's okay. Sadness is okay. It's okay to feel sad sometimes. And yeah. if you're not, then you're not experiencing the normal fluctuation and variability of a, a, a healthy life. Yeah. So, I mean, you can enjoy the happier moments more if you've had some sadder moments too. So, so I don't know how many people listening are... Um, there's about 50 to 70 weekly listeners right now. Um, and I don't know how accurate all my analytics are of like that audience group. Um, it says we got worldwide listeners, so shout out. Um, but, (laughs) uh, so this question, I don't know how many people are married and listening, but you're, say you're in this relationship. I didn't know all this stuff you know, about the nurturing, the, you know, being deprived of certain things, why you do. And I'm in this marriage where it's a rescuer, rescuee, and it's just, and guess what? I didn't spend those single years building up my resources, and now I'm in a marriage, and it was great. Or maybe it is still great, and you're just, like, worrying about the inevitable. Or it isn't great, and the inevitable has happened to you. What can we do in that situation? Um, right about now we're probably thinking, oh, I did miss out. I married the wrong person. Um, I don't know. Or maybe it's like, I know this is the right person because I married them and I just want to learn to love them again or at least feel. Yeah. Does that make sense? Right. Um, do you think that would be a good topic for another talk? Yeah, probably. But, uh, it would also be a good, like, do you have a quick little... A quick little bottom line. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. It's so complicated. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the word commitment just comes to my mind. Are you committed? How committed are you? If you've married that person, then you're married in God's eyes. Yeah. Right? And so is there really such a thing as having married the wrong person? Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Yes. I mean, I think there possibly could be, but did you, you know, did you ask for the God's guidance and leading? and if you did and this is what you thought was the right thing, why not just go for it? Yeah. You know, why not just stick with it? Um, you might have to do some a lot of practical things to adjust to your circumstances, but um are you willing to be committed? Yeah. 
to stay committed. I mean, if you're willing to stay committed, then there are some lot of practical things you can do to help things work. But it takes two people who are committed. Yeah. You know, so. Um, yeah, so this sounds like a big topic. That... Yeah, I think it would be. <laughs> so I think maybe a bottom line that everyone's already heard, but it's still good is Jesus, obviously, would be the foundation of that. You have to maybe, get you have to get your strength from yeah you got to receive Jesus in order to give to somebody else yeah so maybe spending uh kind of vague and wide but spending quality time with Jesus in the Word um there's some worship that I listen to I really like worship music and um I kind of that sounds weird for me to say worship I love worship um just because of background and stuff but uh the songs that I choose are very theologically sound and I don't think a lot of people think about this but um. The art, I'm very I'm picky about my worship music because the lyrics and singing lyrics I think just instill such reality in our hearts in a way that just reading it or talking about it won't. There's mm-hmm. something about singing and um and I just feel really close to the Lord through the right song that mm-hmm. expresses my humanity and expresses mm-hmm. and really shows God in an accurate way that glorifies God in an accurate way. Mm-hmm. Super healing for me. That's a good that's yeah. a good analogy because when you're singing um you're actually putting your body into rest and digest mode mm-hmm. and taking it out of fight and flight mode. So you're calming your yourself down. You're connecting with God emotionally. You're connecting with God mentally. If you've got a song with great um, words and doctrine, mm-hmm. you're so you're doing something physical and emotional and spiritual and mm. mental, and it's all there. You know, we I guess we were talking about different types of intimacy and in a good relationship you're going to have spiritual intimacy you're going to have emotional intimacy you're going to have mental intimacy you're going to have physical intimacy yeah so if any of those things are lacking in your relationship with another person you know god can fill those up yeah he really can do it mm-hmm. he through whatever means he has to do he yeah. wants to do it and he will do it and he can do it yeah and if you're humble enough to admit your need for it and seek after it, yeah. you know, seek, seek after the Lord with your whole heart, yeah. you know, love the Lord first, you know, love the Lord yeah, with all your heart, soul, mind, mind and strength. strength. And those, yeah. those relate to the four areas of intimacy. And if you're getting that from the Lord, your human relationships are going to be better as well. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think about how your whole being is active in singing worship. Uh, so in a real sense, you are loving Like that is a time when you can be fully engaged in that. And next on Afterthoughts, we're going to talk about should I be singing with my girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> because that's a lot of connection. <laughs> no. um, okay, well, I, we're going to wrap it up. That was a good a good portion hopefully that was useful to you again this is just a conversation this is not a official teaching it's just meant to um be helpful in some sense maybe help verbalize some things and maybe you do get something out of it but yeah so we're not pros we're not you know take what we have to say with a grain of salt and i've said that before so you all know the drill but anyhow uh yeah any final words mother yeah i I like your ending there and just kind Mm. of using our conversation to stimulate your own thoughts and questions yeah. and, and anything, you know, just make sure 
anything you hear from us that you look it up and and check it out with the word of God and if it meshes with the word of God that's the true and final authority yeah amen alrighty sounds good I'll see you guys in the next episode